Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Today we begin Passion Tide. This is the third stage in our preparation for Easter. For the last four weeks we have been taught the Christian life. We have learned what God teaches concerning repentance and temptation, prayer, demonic attacks, and his gracious giving of daily bread. But now we focus on Christ's passion, on his suffering, in a very focused and special way. You might have noticed that in the liturgy today because we didn't sing Glory Be to the Father. Things are dropping out more and more as we approach Golgotha. Our readings for today focus on Christ's passion, his suffering. The Old Testament reading is a type, a shadow. Abraham's only son, Isaac, the son whom he loves, meekly and faithfully follows his father to the mount of sacrifice, bearing the heavy burden of wood on his shoulders. The epistle text shows us how Christ's historical death that he suffered under Pontius Pilate has timeless and eternal ramifications for us. By his blood and his once-for-all sacrifice upon the cross, we have been eternally redeemed, and we now possess the promise of an eternal inheritance. The Gospel reading shows Jesus' passion or suffering from a different angle. We typically and rightly focus on the cross. The cross is the consummation of Christ's suffering here on earth. But Jesus' entire earthly life, from his birth onward, is truly the passion story. Jesus' suffering was not only physical, like when he hungered and thirsted, slept and endured poverty. Jesus' suffering also included contempt and insults and dishonor. Jesus suffered because he was dishonored. He was dishonored when he was subject to both Augustus and to Pilate. He was by right their Lord and their King, and yet he endured this shame and he owned their sinful rule. Jesus suffered when he was treated as an equal by his contemporaries, or even as their inferior, like when people said that he was John the Baptist, or Elijah, or one of the prophets. And as we see in our text today, Jesus suffered when he was insulted, blasphemed, and dishonored by the very people to whom he offered salvation. The Jews insulted and finally violently rejected our Lord Jesus, and so he gave them what they wanted. They wanted to be left alone, and so Jesus hid himself. What an awful fate this is. It reminds us of Pharaoh and of Saul and of all the others who, because of their rejection of the true faith, are then rejected by God himself. O oh, dear Christians, let us not be like the Jews who judge themselves to be unworthy of eternal life today. We have been washed in the blood of Christ who has secured for us an eternal redemption. We, his blood is better than the blood of that of the bulls and the goats. That blood merely purified the flesh. Jesus' blood has cleansed our consciences. We are now right with God through Jesus. Our dead works 
no longer condemn and damn us. We now have a good conscience. We need not fear death or hell or the devil anymore. Because of the gospel, we want to serve God. Our dead works are gone and they are forgiven. And now as his children, we seek to serve God the Father through reasonable service. Our bodies are now living sacrifices. But how? How do we serve God? We serve God by honoring Him. But that leads to the next question. How do we honor God the Father? How both you and I honor our Father in Heaven will be the subject of our sermon today. Today we will speak of honor and dishonor. How I, as your pastor, honor our Heavenly Father and how you, as my hearers, honor our Heavenly Father. Let us pray. Lord Jesus Christ, today you have taught us that he who is of God hears God's word. Send your Holy Spirit into our hearts through your Holy Word. Create faith in those who are still burdened by their dead works. Restore weak and failing faith in those who have fallen, and lead the faithful from strength to strength. It is only by faith that we are of God, so keep us all in the true faith, so that we might hear your words and not fall into unbelief and other great shame and vice, as the dishonorable Jews of old did. Bless me, Pastor Price, and all other ministers of your word, so that many might believe, guard your word in their hearts, and never see death. In your name we pray. Amen. As I mentioned before, Jesus' suffering in today's reading has to do with honor and dishonor. Jesus says in our text, I honor my Father, and you dishonor me. Honor and dishonor are part of the moral law which is written on our hearts. Even the unbelieving world has some concept of honor and dishonor. We don't have to point to the rugged cowboy of the West or to the exotic samurai to see what honor looks like. All you have to do is look at the news. Whatever you think of Will Smith when he smacked Chris Rock, we can all agree that that slap happened because he thought he was defending his wife's honor. But what is honor? That's the question we have to wrestle with today. We Christians need to know what honor is. The fourth commandment says, Thou shalt honor thy father and thy mother, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long upon the earth. This is the first commandment with a promise. Therefore, if we would love life and see good days, we Christians must know what honor is. So what is honor? To honor someone is to value them to value their words, and to value their actions. Luther's large catechism is simply wonderful on this point. With regard to our parents and other authorities, we, in our hearts and with our bodies, act as to show that we esteem them very highly and that next to God, we regard them as the very highest. Honor is greater than love. We owe love to everyone. We owe honor to our mothers, to our fathers, 
to our magistrates, to our pastors. Honor is due to a superior by an inferior. Dishonor is the opposite of honor. Now, dishonor is not hatred. Dishonor is contempt. Dishonor is to treat your superiors as if they are not worth anything and that their words and their actions do not matter. We dishonor our magistrates when we mock them. We dishonor pastors when we ignore the sermon and other admonitions. When we honor our parents and our other authorities, we honor God, who set them over us. When we dishonor our parents and other authorities, we dishonor the Father. And that's what Jesus means when he says today, I honor my Father, and you dishonor me. Now because we're Christians, we want to honor our Father in heaven. But how do I, but how I honor my Father in heaven and how you honor your Father in heaven are different. While we are all priests by faith, we stand in different offices and positions. I am your preacher. You are my hearers. So how do I, as your pastor, honor our Heavenly Father? First, I honor our Heavenly Father by adorning the ministry with a holy life. Jesus brings this up in our text today. And in fact, he challenged the people of his day when he said, which of you convicts me of sin? Jesus led a sinless, impeccable life. Nothing that he did or said could be used against his words, against his preaching. In a similar way, I, your pastor, ought to be above reproach so that my words and my actions do not compromise my office and my teaching and my preaching. Now, does that mean that I am to be sinless, like Jesus was sinless? Well, that's not possible. No man born of woman is sinless, save our Lord Jesus Christ. I am a sinner, and so I will sin. And that's why I am going to die one day. That's why Abraham died. He was a sinner. That's why the prophets died. They too were sinners. But even though they were sinners, their ministries were st still stood and were respected. Why? Because they were blameless. Because they were above reproach. Because they could not be attacked by non-Christians on account of their moral conduct. And that's what St. Peter speaks about in the third chapter of his first epistle, when he tells Christians, and especially pastors, to have a good conscience that when they defame you as evildoers, those who revile your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed. Therefore, I ask that you, my hearers, pray for me. I ask that you would pray for me so that by the grace of God, I might adorn this office with a holy life and thus honor my Father who is in heaven. Second, I honor my Father in heaven by preaching and by teaching. What do I preach? I preach what Jesus preaches. In today's reading, Jesus preaches the law throughout this pericope. He first shows the Jews to be foolish 
in their objections to his gospel. They call Jesus names, but they have no right to do that because he has lived an impeccable holy life. They know that he speaks the truth, and yet they refuse to believe it. He calls them liars. He says that they claim to worship the Father in heaven, but they're not really his children. They're actually the devil's children. They are liars and they are murderers. They're not of God. That's why they cannot hear, believe, and be saved. And this is harsh, killing law. Jesus puts up the mirror of the law right before their faces because the Jews are smug and they're self-satisfied. They think they are pretty when they are pockmarked and repulsive. They think they are rich in, in spirituality when they're actually poor. They think that they have God the Father, and yet they truly are atheists. That is, people without God. They are sick, and they are dying, and they are dead in their sins, and they don't even know it. And that is why the preaching of the law is necessary. The Jews didn't want to hear the law, but they needed to, because the Father's honor was at stake, and their salvation was at stake. And so, like Jesus, I will honor the Father by preaching the law to you. And it's going to hurt. It's going to kill. But I will preach the law to you nevertheless, because I want to honor my Father in heaven, because I desire your salvation. You see, that's the thing. The law isn't the only word that Jesus speaks to us today. Jesus also preaches the gospel. First, he preaches the gospel as it relates to his work. Most assuredly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he shall never see death. I mean, what a message that is. Jesus came not to condemn the world, but to save the world. He came to take the thing that makes death scary away. He, in his own body, bore the wrath of God over sin. And his baptism upon the cross was one of fire and of blood, of sweat and of tears, of damnation and of hell. And to the very end, Jesus honored his Father's desire to save us from sin, from death, from the devil. And he succeeded. It is finished. Your sins are forgiven. God, your Father, has reconciled you to himself. And death, that last great enemy, has been changed into a peaceful departure which we sing about in the Nuke Dominus. Death has been changed. It has been changed for the Christian into a blessed sleep. And now in Christ, to be absent from this body is to be at home with the Lord. Second, Jesus preaches the gospel as it relates to his person. Most assuredly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Those words should just ring in your ears and bring back all of these Old Testament references. Here, Jesus claims to be the I Am. He claims to be the Lord, all caps. He claims to be the covenant God of Israel. 
It was him that appeared to the patriarchs as El Shaddai. It was he who stopped the blade of Abraham from slaughtering Isaac, and it was he who provided the ram. It was he that came to Moses in the burning bush. It was he that led the children of Israel through the wilderness. No one has seen God the Father at any time. So who is always showing up in the Old Testament? Well, it's Christ, the Amen, the second person of the Trinity. This is important and it's necessary for us to know because no mere man can die for someone else. As Psalm 49.7 says, none of them can by any means redeem his brother nor give to God a ransom for him. Only the God-man, Jesus Christ, could do that. His death is not the death of a mere man. Christ's death is is God's death. Christ's blood is God's blood. And God's death and God's blood have infinite weight and infinite value. And these blessed fruits of Christ's cross are offered to you through the Word. And I'm here to preach the Word, especially to your children, so that many of them might not see death. See, you need this message. Your children need these me- this message because you guys are sinners and your children are sinners and adults die. Even children die. But in Christ, they shall not see death. That is what Jesus promises. And that's why I'm here. That's why this school is here. Math and history and Latin and English and science, whatever other subjects you want to include, Those are all good and fine for this world. But knowing your ABCs isn't going to get you into heaven. Algebra is not going to secure your place among the angels. The reason that this school exists is so that your children might learn and guard Christ's word so that they might never see death. That's why the school is so important. The school not only proffers salvation to children, but by its very existence, it honors our Father who is in heaven. And I thank God that I am so privileged to serve and honor Him through teaching these things. I have spoken at length about how I, your pastor, honor our Heavenly Father. This is what you can and should expect from me. But what about you? How do you, as the hearers, honor your Father in heaven? Well, there are some obvious things from this text. Don't be like the Jews. Don't try to stone God's messengers. That's a pretty good start. Don't insult or call your pastor names is another one. The Jews insulted Jesus, calling him a Samaritan. So don't do that, right? That's pretty easy. But Jesus doesn't respond to their insults and to their mocking. He actually ignores the Samaritan giant. Instead, Jesus points out the real way that the Jews dishonored him and his father who was in heaven. He says, if I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? I do not have a demon, but I honor my father. The Jews rejected Jesus' preaching. 
And so the best way that you as hearers can honor your Father in heaven is to listen. Listen to what your pastors preach, teach, and confess. Don't demonize or ignore your pastor because he calls you to repentance. Don't be weighed down with apathy, checking your watch to see when this sermon is going to be over. No, hear us. Listen to us. Guard God's word in your heart. Come to Bible study. Send your children to the school and come to chapel every morning. In fact, demand from us more services. Because that's why we're here. Pastor Preuss and I are here because we have been commanded by God and we want to give you God's word. Because we want you to never, ever see death. Come and hear what is in our Heavenly Father's heart. Come and peer with us into the inexpressible abyss of God's love and mercy toward us rotten and undeserving sinners. Because when you receive your Father's love, you honor Him. You have your Father's love. He offers it to you today. And this brings us to the second thing that you can do to honor your Father in heaven. Listen to what your father in the faith Abraham did. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. He saw it and was glad. Christians are not shrouded in black. They don't go about with long faces and they don't complain all the time. No, Christians rejoice. Christians are glad. And this is especially true of our Old Testament lesson today with Abraham. When God commanded him to sacrifice his only son, the son whom he loved, he didn't dilly-dally. He got up in the morning. He went his way with Isaac bearing the rough wood. Isaac is meek, and he is very passive. He doesn't say much. He only asks a question, and Abraham answers Think of this. Isaac is anywhere between 17 and 30 years old at this point. That makes Abraham 116 to 129 years old. Who's going to win that fight? The youth could have easily overpowered his aged father. Isaac could have run, he could have resisted, and Abraham could have dragged his feet. He could have gone to Mount Moriah with tears and with sorrow, with his gray head bowed and his eyes lightless and dull. Yet he doesn't. Abraham walks firm. He walks steady and he walks sure. Abraham trusts that his Father in heaven will make this all right. Because even if Isaac dies... Abraham concluded that God was able to raise him up, even from the dead, from which he also received him in a figurative sense. Abraham was glad, and he rejoiced because he saw Jesus' day. He believed in what Jesus was going to do, and so he had the confidence to bear the crosses that he bore in his life. Joy Gladness are the fruits of faith. Just as I ask you to pray for me so that I might lead a blameless life, I will pray for you that you might lead a joyful life. 
I will pray that you, like Abraham, may rejoice and be glad to see Jesus' day. Because Jesus' day is every day. He has made this day so that we might hear his word, not see death, and live with him forever in everlasting righteousness, innocence, and blessings. And finally, his day will become the eternal day when he comes on that final day to judge the living and the dead. Let us pray. O Father in heaven, hear me for the sake of Jesus Christ, your Son. Hear my prayers for this congregation that they might honor your holy name. Send your Holy Spirit into their hearts so that they might honor your name by hearing pure and orthodox sermons and by teaching their children your word in its truth and purity. May they also honor your name by leading holy lives according to your word in their various stations. Bless the young of this congregation so that many might go from strength to strength in the faith. Bless those who have stumbled that they might be restored. Bless the young that they might resist pride and lust and honor and honor you with a humble and holy life. Bless the teachers that they might grow in the gifts that you have given them and that they might exercise them to your glory and honor. Bless all mothers, that they might honor you by serving their children. Strengthen our faith that we might honor you, rejoicing in your precious gospel, by which we shall never see death. All this we ask in your Son's name. Amen. May the peace of God which passes all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.